You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Our topic today is Christian nationalism. So this is something that has arisen, uh, become more prevalent in the cultural discussion of late, especially uh, with the events of the presidential election and then the riots at the Capitol a few weeks back. And so uh, for us as Christians, we want to talk about what is Christian nationalism and how should we as Christians think about our loyalty to our country and our loyalty to Jesus and how those things intersect. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. All right, welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today the rest of our leadership team, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, uh, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey DiNardo. So our topic today is one that has become uh, something that's really talked about a lot right now, Christian nationalism. So uh, I think what we should do to start is just try to identify a definition. When we hear the word or the phrase Christian nationalism, what actually is that? Well, I, I think it's good to frame it out this way. Um, there, there are probably two ways that Christians can think about living in this country or any country and how to navigate the relationship between their faith and uh, and the, the country. So two kind of extremes, and then I'm going to offer a, a third third way in the middle eventually in this podcast. The, the first way is... Um, kind of to set the two as diametrically opposed and to retreat from your country. So to say, because I'm a Christian, I am really therefore now no longer an American, a German, a, a Brit, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and that that's almost what you'd see um, in a monastic community or a reclusive community or just kind of forming a group within the larger whole, just saying that part of being a Christian is stripping myself of any other identity any sense of belonging, any responsibility as a citizen. And then there's a second approach, uh, which is to say, well, actually, uh, the best way to navigate the relationship between my faith and the country is to intertwine the two, is to say that uh, that, that what it means to be a citizen and what it means to be a Christian are the exact same. Now, this could take a lot of sh- forms. It could take the form of the Roman Empire in the third century mm-hmm. saying to be a Roman is to be a Christian, to be a Christian right. is to be a Roman, yeah. painting crosses on the shields and just the making crusades, it synonymous. Right. That's right. The right. Crusades are another example where, hey, what it meant to be you know, a European and a Christian is it meant to... And I think Christian nationalism in America is fits into this category. It is an intertwining of Christianity and what it means to be an American citizen so that you cannot separate the two. To be a Christian means being a particular kind of an American, and even in some sense, to be an American carries with it this sense that you ought to be, should be, can think of yourself as uh, a Christian, that, that the two are so inseparably linked so that you would never try to distinguish between one or the other. Christian nationalism is saying... And that's not really new. I mean, that's been around for a long time. In a lot time, of different right? forms. I mean, because yeah. back... I mean, you guys are all younger, but back when I first got into ministry, when uh, I would talk to somebody about whether they were Christian, they were a Christian, they would it, would... it was not uncommon for someone to think, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Because... I'm an American. I'm an American, right. And because they thought... America, and this is one of the dangers. America is a Christian nation. That's right. right? Therefore, yeah, it was founded right. on Christian mm-hmm. principles. Right. right. And when we start talking about you know Christian nationalism, one of the easy, one of the best things for me to do is to start thinking about it 
uh, and using other countries other than America yeah. because I'm so used to, I'm, I'm I'm a fish in this water right so I ended up I end up it's easy for me to think of America as a Christian nation and America you know one nation under God and that kind of thing but if I think of a Mexican or a Canadian or a Brit or a German or a China or a Chinese person and saying uh, what would Christian nationalism look like for them yeah when I think of Germany, I immediately start going, oh, my gosh, yeah, that, right. that is really dangerous. That's <laughs> yeah. like Nazism. And turn, right? I, can, yeah. I can pick out the dangers in other nations. It's harder for me to, to look at our nation and say, oh, there's a danger there. Yeah, and Christian nationalism is not an American phenomenon. I mean, like John Calvin, for example, in the Protestant Reformation, one of the reasons he and others kind of resisted uh, the effort to move away from baptizing infants is because baptism as an infant was also how you entered the state as a citizen. And the two were so inseparably linked that, right. that some of the reformers were saying, hey, we actually have a civic responsibility to keep baptizing babies because this is kind of how they get acknowledged as a citizen of the state because the lines between uh, religion and citizenship were just almost non-existent. And and I think, but but we should also say that the reason why Christian nationalism is a pressing topic now is because there seems to be a form of it emerging that isn't just I'm an American, therefore I'm a Christian, or I'm a Christian, therefore I love America, but I'm a Christian, which means I'm a particular kind of American. Mm -hmm. I vote a certain way. I think a certain way. This is the kind of citizen that you have to be if you're a Christian. Okay, now, and I can feel uh, people out there getting tense. <laughs> and uh, so let me uh, ask this uh, question. You know, Christian nationalism, almost everything that happens, uh, happens with good intentions, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, a lot of things, let's say a lot of things. Um, and so for uh, somebody to say, well, what about, I mean, should I not be a patriot? Uh, should I not be for? And, and what is true is that uh, a Christian is for the flourishing of their community. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm waiting for uh, your middle way in between. Yeah. Now, one of the dangers, and we're going to talk about this on another podcast, is uh, as people right now, more than ever, we go to extremes. Mm. Right. We pick our That's tribe, right. and our tribe, there is no middle ground. There is nothing on the other side. They They don't have a single thing right. Uh, they have everything wrong, and so uh, the two poles that you know Zach pointed out are, are really do exist, and and uh, we just want to try to get you. If you're on one of those poles, just know that uh, that is a tendency we have that we have to fight against we as have Christians, to fight against right? It, yeah. yeah, and I just want to say that we could do a whole podcast on uh, Christian like reclusivism, <laughs> you know, retreating from society. Right? right? It's just not as like. Prescient, right? Yeah, you know, right now. So we're not, you know, we're not talking about that. But I, I think there is a third way that the Bible would would drive us towards, which is to say uh, that we neither throw the country away nor uh, integrate it with Christ, but rather yeah. we say that what it means to be a Christian citizen is to uh, is to take very seriously. Uh, your responsibility as a citizen to love your country in every way that you can, but love Jesus more. And what I mean by that is so that you can affirm what is good about your country and actually be okay with pointing out 
what is not okay right. with your country. And I think you see this in two ways, particularly in the Old Testament. One way is that um, when Israel goes into exile in Babylon, uh, God actually tells them, look, get comfortable. Right. B- bless the city, right? Integrate, give your children to be married to, to people who live in the city. Let them marry your children. Integrate yourself. And and you, this is a pagan society, and God is saying, right. like, hey, don't retreat. Don't form a Jewish enclave inside the city, but actually integrate. Which but, everything in them would have yeah, gone, would have done. Right. They yeah, and said, by no, the way, no. if you're a Christian listening to this, and you're thinking, well, he wouldn't have said that about America. Listen, go study history because Babylon you know, yeah. had, had had their own problems and a lot of the same problems you're going to point out about America. But but then on the other hand, you have when God's people are not in exile and they are God's people, the nation Israel, you have the prophet saying some scalding things yeah. about them. I mean, holding them to account on how they treat the poor, how, how they deal with other nations, how they... And you don't have this sense that like to be a Christian is to say, hey, Israel's nailing everything. They never get anything right. wrong. You can't be critical. You can't. And so the Bible actually models this kind of third way where we 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 love being a citizen of the country we're in in so much as it's lovable. Right. And, and we don't love it in so much as it's not lovable. And and when it's lovable and when it's not often depends on what country you live in, what time period you live in, what's going on in the world, so on and so forth. So there is a different way of engaging. Yeah, and I think we are kidding ourselves if we think that Jesus, if he uh, was a citizen of America right now, would not have some critical things to right. say about our country. Absolutely. So you have to, uh, we have to take a step back, and and I think uh, it it is so hard right now because there are, I think uh, so many people feel like they are driven. <laughs> I always think that it's almost like uh, you know uh, an old married couple where one's a pessimist and one's an optimist and. Uh, the optimist always feels like I need to be positive because my spouse is so negative, and the negative one says I have to try to pull my spouse back by being more negative. Uh, I think in America we keep doing that, and I think if you can't look at your political party and see gaping flaws right. in that party, uh, you're probably not looking at it the way Jesus would look at it. Uh, if you can't, if we can't look at our country and That's say thinking, these right? are the flaws in our country, and these are the things, these are the things I love about our country. This is what uh, what I love about being an American. Um, but you cannot see the flaws, then you're probably not looking at it the way a well, Christian should look at it. Yeah, and I'll just add to that 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 holds true historically as well. So not only that you would look at the current state of the country and say, hey, we've got some things that are worth loving right. and celebrating and and praising God for, and then we've got some other things that are worth mourning and lamenting and repenting of, but that has always been true. Right. From the inception of our country, it has been true that there were things to mourn and there were things to celebrate. That will always be true. It will always be true of every country and every time and every place, and Christians should be able to do both those things. And as a, as a Christian, again, just keeping at the forefront of our minds that we are need to be all about loving God and loving others. And I think when we see, when I think of Christian nationalism and really just the state of our country right now, we see people that are almost dehumanizing at times others because even their beliefs are different or they don't love this thing about their country that someone else does. And when we're not loving others, when we're having, you know, we have to fight against that tension of when someone disagrees, when someone sees things differently to not just pull away and to not, you know, 
just say that that person, that relationship doesn't matter. Yeah, so. and I'll just add to that, too, that, that you know, what we are called to do in the Scriptures is to advance the kingdom of Jesus. Yeah. Certainly advancing the kingdom of Jesus has socio-political implications. I, I do think it means standing for some things and against other things, yeah. absolutely, and, and especially appreciate those who put their name on the line, put their name on a ballot, and try to pursue those things. That, that's an admirable, impressive thing to do. But, but there seems to be a sense growing in our country that, that what, what it really means to be a Christian, and maybe this is a little bit of a line between Christian nationalism and a Christian who's maybe trying to find that third way, is that what God wants from us is to preserve a certain way of being in our country, a, a certain form of America, a certain political structure, you know, that somehow there was this, like, these glory days that we got to grab hold of and hold on to, to the point where we were doing this podcast a week, a, a week set apart from a group of people storming the Capitol building, including busting in doors and windows, a police officer died, and, you know, other people died all in the name of, like, we have to take our country back. And I think the, the difficulty with that is, is just there's no emphasis in the New Testament of Christians in Rome or Philippi or Corinth or modern day taking the country back, yeah. fighting to preserve some kind of well, and, yeah, socio-political and Jesus life. could have spoken to that, right? I mean, if no, you read, no question. Yeah, you read Jesus, he does not talk much about the state at all. His you know, one statement— would be rendered to Caesar what is Caesar. But even then he could have said so more. It was almost dismissive. Yeah, yeah, when they asked Jesus about should we pay taxes to Caesar, Jesus could have said, hey, this. I'm glad you, you know know how politicians do in debates where they'll say, hey, what do you think about (laughs) education? And they'll say, I'm glad you asked me that because it gives me a chance to talk about global warming or whatever. Like, I don't don't (laughs) see the connection. But Jesus could have said, thank you for asking me about Rome. What is up with Romans saying Caesar is God? Right. Right? You know, what is up? And what is up with Roman soldiers and their extortion and their oppression? He didn't do any of that. Mm-mm. Right? Well, his basic answer was, hey, if you're going to live in Rome and you're going to abide in this system and you're going you're gonna to pay Roman taxes, that's how it goes. Right? But my, my point is he could have launched into so much more. Absolutely. He right. didn't. There is a kingdom to advance, but that kingdom is not America. Right. It is the kingdom of Jesus. And at times that's going to be at odds with America, not just the America today, but the America of yesteryear which was never 100% biblical, 100% pure, Correct. it will never be that way. I think oh. that's one of the dangers of the idea of Christian nationalism, is it actually makes it more difficult to solve problems and advance things, because if you're saying, hey, this is a Christian nation, and then somebody's critiquing what we think is a Christian nation, then they're asking us to depart from what we think is a Christian It's just, Yeah, just... Makes it raises this level of defensiveness and sort of just obstinance to say, well, no, we shouldn't. I don't know. It's I, I feel like it just makes things even more challenging when it comes to writing injustices and solving problems in society because well, we've, I atta- think, we've attached it. We've we've right. Well, I think one of the difficulties, and Zach was pointing that out. When we look back, I mean, there's some stuff to miss about uh, where we've come as a country. I mean, I, I love that when I see a, a primer from uh, way back. In the you know uh, the early twentieth century, that every student was taught in the ABCs. The A started with Adam and Eve, and right, I mean there right. was stuff in the public school that was, you know, great, great stuff. We have to remember that not every person, and particularly people of color, look back yeah. on the early Who couldn't 19, go to that school, yeah, early nineteen hundreds right. yeah. as being very positive times. Yeah. There was there's always been 
uh, in every and it's just it's not just true of America; it's true of every culture and in every nation that has ever been. There, because we are a nation of sinners, there is sin that is weaved in throughout. So uh, when we look back on on years that we wish were uh, that we could get back to, uh, not everybody feels that way because sin impacted them much more than it impacted us. So, well, and as as a Christian today here in America, I think we have things we're pretty comfortable. We're pretty comfortable because we have a country where we are not, we we have rights, we have liberties. And so I'd ask the question too, and saying with Christian nationalism, how much of um, standing for our country and is even driven by a fear of losing those comforts? And if that's what it's about, again, that isn't what God calls us to, and that might mean it's hard. It might mean really, in 50 years things look a lot different for us in America, right. and that That's stinks. not really the situation of the church and Christians throughout history. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and it like may not be said, the best thing for Christians. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, yeah right. we're also a long way from that. I mean, I just think we that are. the absurdity yeah. of saying they're going to take away our ability to be a Christian, and I just think about, I mean, I remember it, it, the church I planted in Cleveland, we did work in West Africa. And when I would go there and you would and you would go to a village with the missionary, we would have to take guards with AK-47s with us. And you're saying, like, that guy would laugh at us if we said, well, nowadays, you know, you can't do this or people make fun of you if you do. I mean, that, that's not persecution. But, no. but even I'll challenge you with this. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we've looked at this verse a lot over the last few months. Jesus says to the disciples, go be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, and they don't go. For the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, they stay pretty much in Jerusalem. 3,000 people come to Christ at Pentecost, and they just hang out until Acts chapter 8, when it says that God introduced persecution. He allowed persecution to be introduced into the church, and he scattered them. And that's when all of a sudden you see these missionary journeys and church plants. And I don't say that— When when you say he scattered them, it means— that they ran for their That's rest. right, and, yeah. And also... The way they, they cockroaches scatter when you turn the light on. Yeah, yeah. they were refugees yeah. that ran because they could not... They were going to... Yeah, and die. I don't say that in any way to legitimize persecution, but just to say that that the reason why the gospel is being preached in, in Hudson, Ohio, yeah. is because they left Jerusalem, but it took persecution right. for them to leave. So we shouldn't underestimate that God can use a variety of things, and then he yeah. may... But I do think it's important to say this, too. It's, it's no less awful to see a Jesus save sign in a group of people storming the Capitol than it is to see a Jesus save sign in a protest in a major city that's on fire. The, the point is we don't want to wrap the gospel exactly. up in a, a version of America that the Bible doesn't endorse, whether that's a liberal version, whether that's a conservative version, whether that's a Christian nationalist version or a reclusive uh, version. The, the point is that the gospel comes with a kingdom. An acceptance of the gospel is an embrace of that kingdom, kingdom yeah. and an evaluation of all other kingdoms in light of where they agree and where they disagree. And, and that's it. And Christian nationalism fails to do that. It intertwines the two. Yeah, and that kingdom is more powerful yeah. and will win. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I always think, too. And it's not American. Remember right. that. Yeah. I always yeah. think of what's going on in China where, you know, the, the, the underground church in China continues to grow and... Uh, and they may, I mean, they would love to have more freedom uh, from their government, but I don't think they, they care that much. And in, in 30 years, uh, missiologists expect that that uh, Christians will be the majority in China, and it doesn't matter 
uh, who their president is and because it's the kingdom of God is more powerful. Yeah. So uh, for to Zach's point, I think we adhere to the kingdom of God. We are going to uh, love Jesus uh, more than anything and anyone. Yeah. And if we do that, uh, then I think our patriotism will be balanced the way it should be balanced and our desire to see our communities flourish uh, will be balanced. Yeah, and I think it's similar to if one of my kids said to me, Daddy, do you love Mommy? And I would answer emphatically, yes. And they would say, oh, so you think she's perfect? And I would say, no. And I think that's the point. Is I think every Christian should love our country, should be grateful right. for our country. The Lord has used this country yes. and worked in this country in some amazing ways. But loving the country, and this is maybe a danger of nationalism, loving the country can never become synonymous with being blind to the ways that it is at odds with Scripture. And, and it, is as, it is as incumbent on, as a, on a Christian to affirm the good things, but it is also incumbent on a Christian yeah. to speak out against the bad things, just as you affirmed Babylon in the good ways and you spoke out against Israel. And here's my challenge. If you find yourself being swept up in the rising tide of Christian nationalism, then ask yourself this. Do you have a category for prophetic critique of your country and of your tribe in the country? Because overwhelmingly, the minor prophets are full of examples of God speaking to his tribe, his people, and saying, you're wrong. You're still my people, still love you but you're wrong. And I think we we all should be able to do that. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.